again, gentlemen. Welcome to the first day of Thatch's Thatch Can Style Wrestling. There's a lot of glare coming off that dome of yours. Squirrel nut! What does WrestleMania mean to Brock Lesnar? It's a day that I get to show up, kick somebody's ass, and get paid to do so. Crying out loud, you can't use a thing with you swearing like that. I don't give a damn. I came up here for a purpose to prove some son of a bitchin' thing. And I'll tell you what I came to prove, that Lawler didn't have the guts. Hey there, folks. Welcome to We Don't Know Wrestling, where I talk about what I've been watching, the news that speaks to me, wrestling-related content, tweet of the week, and on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about independent wrestling and small-scale television in general. I'm your host, Sam DiMaggio, and I don't have a lot to go over kind of this week other than for the past week since coming back from Tampa, Florida, a really undesirable location for my future travel plans i have been catching up on sleep uh, i have felt extremely exhausted for the past seven days so i have finally caught up after just a, a 12 hour nap session so i am ready to be back in the thick of things and with that let's get started with what i've been watching so for the past week I've been doing a little bit of a Major League Wrestling catch-up. I was a big fan of this promotion for the past, well, maybe not last year because I wasn't watching a lot of wrestling during the pandemic, but 2018, 2017-ish sort of time frame, um, 2018 I think is probably more apt, I thought it had a lot of fun characters at the parks, it was really delivering a lot of what I was looking for from a I don't want to say it weekly because it was weekly, but I wasn't watching it weekly, uh, but like a television program. It had just those fun characters, had good matches, and it felt reliable in a sense that I always knew I could throw on an episode and I would be treated to something that brought me a little joy. So during this catch-up, I am sad to report the joy is gone. It brings me nothing. Uh, I've been catching up on the stuff they did this year. I'm not all the way through, but unless... Things really turn around these past three episodes. I don't expect much to change as far as my opinion goes. I'm really disappointed. It was something I was really hoping was like going to turn the tide. I was like, okay, all the pieces should be in play. They still have uh, Fatu. I've been a fan of Hammerstone. I'm not a Richard Holiday guy, which is a bummer because he's still a pretty strong part of this promotion. But in general, I, I like how compact it feels. But the episodes I watched felt bloated, weirdly, like, or maybe barren. I, it, it's one or the other. It feels like there's a lot of fluff, um, but there's not a lot of substance. So while it still feels like, okay, this is a slide to get through because there's a lot here, but there's not a lot worth your time. It's it's a bummer. I, I was hoping for something a little bit more substance. And maybe they turn around in these last couple of episodes, but... As much as I am a fan of Fat 2 in a general sense, he's not someone that can turn around a program. I enjoyed his kind of 
feud with um, Mads Kruger or Cruel that's that was kind of taking place. I think Cruel's a kind of a pretty good brawler uh, for kind of the walk and brawl style. Uh, I know as Logan Creed, he wasn't really lighting the world on fire, but it's been exciting to see him sort of capture a character and really run with him. But like Hammerstone's not been positioned to succeed. The whole park having to be taken out of MLW because they decided to go into business for themselves. I think it's going to be a real bummer long-term for the promotion. I'm hoping they can figure it out because there is plenty of talent out there that could use sort of this kind of program to really elevate themselves. We'll see. We'll, we'll see in the, the coming months. I think the Aztec series of events where they sort of try to capture the Lucha Underground aesthetic is a, a failure. It ends up just being right now, I guess, uh, AAA or Crash content that they've sort of repurposed under the MLW banner. But in general, like, I don't think that was a worthwhile project. Lucha Underground was a very specific thing with a specific aesthetic and niche and really hit a, a different sort of vibe. I know wrestling fans in discords and on forums are so yearning for that sort of promotion to pop up, but MLW was not delivering pretty much in any form of that. So I, I'd rather them never have done it, frankly. Hopefully they can just weave that stuff more into the promotion with maybe some more competitive Lucha type matches. As much as a fan of a microman than I might be when he is at the crux of pretty much any and all major Lucha type matches, it's a slight bummer. Uh, there's a certain ceiling there like, oh, it's going to be popcorn fun, not great. I don't want to know that going in. Let, let the match play out. But that's MLW right now. Uh, hopefully it kind of turns around or slash I hope the promotion sort of finds its footing in the back half of this year. I know they've been really in a weird position with TV contracts. So hopefully they can figure that out. I know they're in a lawsuit also with WWE. So who knows? Uh, all right. Another item that I was watching, and this is kind of the hoot of the year candidate sort of match I watched this week. and something that I really, I don't want to say blew my doors off, but really made me excited in a way that wrestling doesn't always do. Uh, and that was striking strike nine versus uh, Cyrus, the destroyer. You, pr- you might not have heard of either one of these wrestlers. Uh, it's match taken, took place earlier this year in Russell America uh, in Georgia. I think with the proliferation of Southeastern wrestling on IWTV, it's kind of easy to forget. Oh, some of that scene is still just there. Uh, Cyrus the Destroyer, he does pop up on the promotion Southern Honor, which has been good uh, on IWTV, but he's still sort of a, a fixture in some of these other promotions. I think he's one of the most underrated big men of this era. He will never sort of get that due. He is sure athletic. I think that's one of those uh, unfortunate stigmas. Is like, oh, if a big dude isn't super athletic, can't be good. But Vader-like, let's say that. He's Vader-like in a lot of ways. Um, He's able to throw them heaters. He's able to really drop his entire body weight on an individual. And he understands how to work big in the sense that he doesn't sell in a manner that is not befitting of a man of his size. So many 
large wrestlers want to sell like they are the the average uh, six foot sized wrestler who could be on TV. But when you're like six five plus uh, three hundred fifty pounds plus, you really should be looking like an intimidating force and. Too many wrestlers sort of forget that. Cyrus has never has forgot that. I find it very strange. In his career, he got a tour of Wrestle 1 at some point when Wrestle 1 was bringing over weird wrestle, weird American wrestlers via certain agreements with various promotions. I know at one point, my local promotion, 2CW, had a relationship with Wrestle 1 where uh, Muda had come over for a match and Tajiri had come over for a match. Um... And they, we sent over two wrestlers over. And, and that was just a, such an odd time for us. I wish a Japanese promotion would do that again. Glee, do it. Hook up with some random indie and bring him, bring him in. Uh, hook up with Sup and bring over Kevin Koo. Let's do it. Make it happen. Um, but Shrekin is sort of a wrestler that will never even rise to a action or Sup level. Um, he's got these great working strikes with between his legs and great punches and makes everything count in that regard. And this match really works because Cyrus knows how to sell strike nine knows how to throw strikes and those things just balance out perfectly. It is a hoot of a match and we don't see a ton of stuff like that. I'm really excited to go and go through the Russell America stuff that's on YouTube right now since that stuff just goes up for free, which is great. Um, no one's going to pay attention to it, so I'm hopeful that I can at least bring some attention to this. Those promoters might be, oh, true pieces of trash. So apologies in advance, but it's on YouTube. So the best they're going to get is ad revenue off their views and at sub few thousand views. My audience not being a few thousand people, I think we're going to be fine. Uh, there's also Southern Fried Championship Wrestling, which Strike Nine and Cyrus have both performed for. So excited to dive into that as well. Uh, and then otherwise, I've been doing a little catch up on the episode two of Uncharted Territories. Before I recorded, I watched the first match of Uncharted Territories episode three. I think it's safe to say I will be talking about that in conjunction with uh, independent TV going forward this is the news all right so news this is more joyful news for me joey janela does a flaming super kick to Jupe parker at gcw's maniac show in the main event and janela's foot stays on fire he can't extinguish it there is no one there to to pour water on the foot until way later everyone starts throwing water bottles into the ring after like a minute of Joey's foot being on fire. And I just have to say no professional wrestler should do something like this unless they're pretty confident. There's a way to protect themselves if things go wrong. Um, But Joey's a big dumb idiot and doesn't care. And he just, gets in a position where he's got probably that rubber from the boot lashed onto his skin for the rest of his days. 
And that's good. I think that's an important lesson for us to, to know that people like Joey Janela are not big brained staples of, of indie wrestling. They should not be looked up to. They are not the smartest folks in the room just because they signed a contract with AEW. That's going to prove out long term that folks that signed those initial rounds of AEW contracts maybe weren't the smartest tools in the shed. There are going to be some good ones that get let go, like Stu Grayson. But at the end of the day, there are also going to be some real shitheads like Joey Janela and his rubber foot. Next up, I want to talk about the GCW returning to independent wrestling TV this July. July 10th is going to be the first of the settlement series, the first of eight events. Uh, July 10th, Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. It looks like that's where pro wrestling magic also takes place. So we'll see what happens there. I still find it extremely good that GCW tried to pitch this as them winning, them succeeding to quote unquote own their footage. So, and now they get to give IWTV eight events. This is at 1 p.m. on July 10th. I am not thinking this is going to be a super good show. This is like Jersey Championship Wrestling timing. So I'm expecting that level of match to take place. A.K.A. not particularly good. Not particularly exciting. All right. So OVW is looking like they're going to be having a reality TV show on Netflix. And usually I wouldn't pay this much attention. OVW being owned and ran by Al Snow, a promotion that they don't have any real understanding of the going-ons there. I know they've had some of the outcasts of TNA, when it was Millie even TNA. And I don't know sort of what exactly their situation is now based on their website. Not a lot. You got cash flow wrestling there, it looks like. So that's an obvious win. Um, oh, Isaiah wrestles. This is a re- actually maybe just like an all-timer promotion. Um, we got to be on the lookout for this. I am interested. You got Mahabala. Ugh. Mahabali Shira um, of the Shira Shuffle fame. Big TikTok trend. You know it. I know it. Yeah, Mr. Pectacular. Reverend Ronnie. I actually don't know who that gentleman is, but he's got a great name and an, a great bod, as it were. Um, going through this roster a little bit more. No, that's kind of it. That's kind of the only things that I'm going to be Highlighting, that's not a great roster. Uh, Maybe there's someone there that is actually good. My doubts are extremely high. But they have a weekly TV show otherwise. But now they're having a reality TV show. I don't know what the concept will be. I don't think anyone does. But it looks like it's going to be on Netflix of all things. I am not particularly happy uh, and it feels weird to say, I'm not particularly happy this approaching out airtime, but it just feels, it makes me feel bad that OVW of all places, the Al Snow promotion, 
is going to get a prime spot in the TV landscape. My only hope is that it doesn't damage the perception of wrestling. You know what? Fuck that. Wrestling sucks and people probably should know that more. But my hope is that it isn't God awful in in so many ways. I guess that's a better way of saying it. I hope it doesn't suck, which is going to be saying a lot. I wish a different promotion would have gotten maybe this this position. Even in MLW, like we talked about earlier, even if it's going to be a reality-based show, that seems of, of more interest to me. And I think it would have the same general vibe of having a promotion that's doing consistent content, consistent events to put on television. I think there's still something there. But I think that's where we're at. I, I'm hopeful that uh, we're going to see other promotions in the line get a spotlight. But... OVW is up next, so congrats to Ohio Valley Wrestling. I'm giving the highlight to the handwork reviews, Simon's reviews from uh, the SCI of 2016. I think it's one of the more important events in Southern Independent Wrestling history. Probably just the most important events. It helped put a lot of folks in the backstage positions. In positions? For the future of what would to come. Um, but also. It just was a great. Great couple of nights of, of wrestling. Sponsored by. Wrestling with Words. R.I.P. Um, but he reviewed. Chris Hero versus Kyle Matthews. Leo Rush versus Anthony Henry. Jimmy Rave versus John Skyler. Chris Hero versus Chip Day. Matt Riddle versus Jimmy Rave. In the main event. Uh, of that show. Of that tournament. Rather. And I think it just captures kind of what made that tournament work from the perspective of someone that has not totally drank the Kool-Aid or should not go to those events. I know it's easy for me to speak swimmingly about, uh, not swimmingly, uh, speak so highly of those events because I was there. And also I was just invested in that scene a little bit more than some other folks at that time. So it's, it, it's great to see him kind of review those. Simon's one of the best writer wrestling reviewers that there are period i'm biased yes but i i truly believe that and and the proof is in the pudding go pay him some money and have him review something for you preferably something decent but also if you must something very bad tweet of the week all right tweet of the week this is gonna go to felix the baller of the first sin at by your logic. Any offer to quote, get me into pro wrestling unquote will be treated as a direct and verifiable threat on my life. Reply tweet from Brian at murder X Brian from a guest on QNTR host of street fight radio. You probably knew that one though. I respect Felix's opposition to pro wrestling. It's perfectly natural to hate it if you didn't start watching it when you were seven years old. Yes, this is perfect. Anyone that is trying to get any adult into professional wrestling should be considered a menace. And you should associate with them. Period. Even if you're listening to this podcast, you are a thousand percent a wrestling fan. Anyone that you know who is trying to get someone else who is not a professional wrestling fan into professional wrestling 
is doing work that negatively impacts the world. It is a heinous act that we should speak out against and should not accept in the internet wrestling community. All right, topic of the week. I want to talk about independent wrestling television with untrader territories going on with IWTV being in place, period. I've been thinking a little bit more as of late about these small-scale operations and their, their television products. And I think right now, independent wrestling is not as good as it's ever been. But there is probably more independent wrestling shows, like weekly shows, products, show products, whatever you want to call them, happening now than there has ever been. And what I mean by that is that they kind of reach a certain quality of wrestling that hasn't really happened before. That said, as shows, I don't know if we're in a really great spot as far as those are going. Starting with Uncharted Territories, I watched the first match of episode three tonight live. It was AC Mack being attacked and then put into a match for his IWTV World Championship against Marcus Mathers. And the match was not good. It was pretty bad. It was not a sort of match that you want to open your live television show with, I frankly think. And I don't think Marcus Mathers is particularly good. I don't think he should be put in a position where he is supposed to be the, the second coming of this, this generation's bright star. I think it makes the entire generation of wrestlers look worse by him being the face, especially on IWTV, the platform, as it is. And I like AC Mack as a character. I think he's not a bad wrestler, but I don't think he's a particularly great one. And I think putting him in a position of being a fine wrestler against a, I think, kind of a bad wrestler in an opening master TV show that goes long. Just as a, it's too long of a match. It should have been five minutes. It was not. And it's disappointing. But that's also sort of uncharted territory, I think, are going to be a problem. And it's been a problem the first couple, two episodes that I was going through is that there's a lot of matches that are just too long for what it is. It's a, it's a weekly wrestling show. You can benefit from going shorter. We just had modern age grappling, Jonathan Gresham's promotion, come into a show for an hour and 15 minutes. Now, it was four matches, and the shows don't need to be that short, but things need to move at a faster clip. They can't go the way they've been going. I don't think. To keep my interest, that's where I'm at. And there's not enough of a hook to the entire event. I think the stuff they're doing with Cruel and Slade, that's good, and... I'm really interested in it. We saw Cruel just decimate Matt, and he's going to now face Slade, hopefully, in July, and that feels like a big match. Like, wow, I'm really excited for that. They've built it up extremely well with that angle, but there's just not enough of that, and you can't have too many of those sorts of angles where he bludgeons the promoter 
but there needs to be more hooks throughout the show. And because it's live, there's not there's a certain amount of finessing you just can't do. You can't really tweak things. You can't tighten things up because it's live. <laughs> uh, time only moves at one speed. It only goes one direction. You can't cut the dead air when you're live. And that's what it had me thinking about things like NWA Saw from the Saw Mill. One, I think that promotion, again, wasn't great. But that show was really strong to me because, one, I think the sawmill, the venue, was always set up to look particularly good. It made it feel like an intimate venue that pro wrestling should take place. And I think the TWE venue that Uncharted Territories is taking place doesn't have the same vibe, but it has a decent vibe. It captures at least that intimate feeling. I don't think it feels... Sawmill managed to feel intimate, but a little bit more traditional. But it also had, these are just great commercials. The local businesses, that's what I want. I want to feel like I'm being teleported to a degree with these television programs. It's got gaudy graphics. It looks like it's from the 90s. But it's also got workers that are, are limited, which... Ends up meaning we've got matches that maybe aren't great, but they're compelling because it's like, oh, how are these workers going to work within their means? Um, you got like, folks like Hot Rod Biggs, a man who has proportions that are, let's say, unique, but it works in NWA Saw because they figured out how to work within his limitations as a worker. I hate to say this, but like as a, as a, as a physical person. Um, but also you have folks like the late Joseph Brody. Again, someone that I don't think is a, a great worker, but okay, he's great. He's a really good brawler. So let's just put him in the positions to have those sorts of good matches. Um, put him there with like Cliff Compton, another wrestler who made it to the big leagues, but it isn't particularly well-rounded, but he's a strong character, just like Brody. And they can have fun matches, fun street fight sorts of matches, fun brawls. Sean Schultz. A wrestler who was an AIW for a period of time. Again, I don't think it's particularly good. Has a great look. They make that, things like that work. It's because they everyone's bought into the limitations. And in Uncharted Territories and some just general shows on IWTV, feels like everyone's working the same sort of style. Or slash, and this is probably with homogenization, homogenization of wrestling and all that jazz. But it feels like everyone's working with the same amount of tools to some degree. Uh, there's some fluctuation, obviously, but there's no one that's just wildly above the other as far as ability to competently wrestle. I think sometimes you need someone that's it's the, the absolute pits, um, who doesn't have the physical tools, doesn't have the psychological tools to make something work. I also want to point out trad- traditional championship wrestling, a promotion that I sadly discovered today has been taken off YouTube. I, this is actually probably information I knew, but had blocked on my brain. Uh, it was take, took place in Arkansas, but traditional championship wrestling would go on YouTube weekly. It was a show in Arkansas. And now it's behind a paywall because the promoter, Matt Riviera, a, a scumbag, to my understanding, just as a general per- person, 
but as a promoter, uh, terrible because he's shuttered away this promotion that I thought was really fun. Put it behind a paywall because he wanted to start up Championship Wrestling of Arkansas, which I believe was tied in with the United Wrestling Network, which is weird because all of those promotions were Championship Wrestling from, I believe, from Hollywood, from Memphis. Um, it's a little bit of a different naming nomenclature. But this was like in 2017, 2000. 18, where so many of these promotions were going into like maybe 2016, uh, they were going to pivot shares. They were just like, okay, we're going to start our own streaming service because content is where everything's going. And now we have things like high spots and IWTV that pretty much said, hey, like if you're not there, you, you might as well not be seen. But the fact that this promotion is no longer viewable, you can look them up and you'll get some random matches from a manager that worked the show, so who's now put out his content that he could online. But it was a promotion that was small, but the presentation looked big time. Like the ring looked like, oh, that's a big time wrestling ring. They darkened the crowd to the point where it felt like it could have been a huge crowd or at least a sizable crowd, even if a hundred people were in there. It looked like something that should have been on television, like an HD net size network. It looked that good. And the matches were, there's a lot of fun stuff there. Um, and they called out Lane from Twitter, um, who was, I knew from the wrestling forum days. And he, we had a traditional TCW thread there. And some of his comments made it into a character on TCW. Uh, this character was a nerd that people wanted to see get beat up. But that's kind of what I want. I want someone that's so petty about how they're perceived online that they'll do shit like that. Sometimes that's just fun. I know Lane didn't think that was particularly fun at the time, but it was just a hoot nanny. But kind of getting back to kind of my, the, the crux here of my, my concerns is even with promotions that aren't live, think of paradigm pro who has their UWFI series. That show still feels, even with the matches being short, compact, moving fast, there doesn't feel like a real hook to a lot of it. And that's unfortunate because when you have an edited TV style format for your program, you should be able to figure out a way to make it super compelling. That there should be skits involved. There should be some chicanery going on with your your fun matches. But it feels like if you cut down the the UWFI matches by half, added in some backstage stuff and stuff of that nature, that becomes a much more interesting show to me. Because now it's I'm really getting interested in these characters. And I think that someone like Mad Dog Conley, who I talked about the other week. Someone that I think is just great at the style. And can be a really compelling individual. Could work. And if you want to stick with kind of the MMA influence stuff, there's still stuff there. Even if it's like you have the commentators doing sort of a 
tail the tail of the tape there on the screen rather than showing up tail on tape as a large overlay. Make it feel like more of a production, not just like a slideshow. Um, I know the resources aren't. I I feel like I can't say, hey, you got the resources, but I think there's more that can be done there to make that a little bit more interesting. But I think Uncharted Territory, like I kind of talking about, has some good stuff going on. The matches are good. I think it's worth watching. And at the end of the day, for a lot of the stuff I'm watching, I am interested in primarily the matches. Uh, and this cruel stuff has got me interested. I am not a big Suge fan, so the Suge D angles aren't really lighting my world on fire. But at least it gives me kind of a, an interesting kind of layer there to the Discovery Gauntlet stuff. I think for coming weeks, I'm hopeful that we get some more angles layered in there and we get that more influence of um, Southern Russian wrestling television, uh, as well as like even stuff like Memphis thrown in there. I want someone to get in with a fireball. It will happen. It will come. I'm interested where that program goes. The format right now, I don't think it does it enough favors. I think I am along for the ride, if nothing else. Um, and that's it. That's We Don't Know Wrestling, episode 111, 1111. Thank you all for listening. Go to at WDKWPN on Twitter. Give us a follow. Throw us a five-star review on iTunes. If you listen on Spotify, give us a review there. That would be tremendously helpful. If you have liked what we've been producing, I know Quentin and Tim have been producing so much content for the feed <laughs> over the past um, year or so. So I would love to kind of be able to kind of continue everything going there. Donate, go follow them at QNTR. Um, if you can give us a donation on Ko-Fi, that would be tremendous. Kind of keep the feed going and keep things healthy here. Um but yeah, I, I know we've got some great stuff kind of coming up between Alex potentially coming back in the near future. Um, Quinn and Tim still doing great stuff. I think they do. They, they, they touch on topics that other folks also do, but just do it in a way that I think only they can. And yeah, Dave Musgrave with pretending to fight episode one. If you haven't listened to it, absolutely give that a listen. And Episodes two will be coming in the not too distant future. Once again, thanks for listening. Uh, I'll see you later.